There are dire warnings that New South Wales will be hit by increasingly extreme weather. 2015 was the hottest year since climate records began. Your show this July was the single hottest month in recorded history. Australia sweltered through its hottest spring on record. Climate change is now affecting every country on every continent. The rate that's a great concern. And what do you put that rate down to? Oh, it's human activity. We have everything we need. Some still doubt that we have the will to act. But I say the will to act is itself a renewable resource. Hello and welcome to Climactic, a podcast on the Climactic Collective, a group of independent podcasters from across the range of the climate communities of Australia and New Zealand. Every week on Climactic, rain or shine, we either produce or feature an episode of a climate-engaged podcast. This could be from one of the shows on the Climactic Collective or beyond, and you'll always find a link to the show we're featuring at the top of the show notes. My name is Mark, and I'm the publisher of the Climactic Collective and of this show. And if you ever have any questions, I'm always reachable at hello at climactic.fm. This introduction was recorded on the lands of the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. I wish to acknowledge this is stolen land, and sovereignty was never ceded. On this week's episode of Climactic, we return to the lands of Aotearoa, and this time not Tamaki Makoro, Auckland, but Wellington, Tafanganui Atara. And we're going to go hang out with Andrew Duncan, and visit a small community farm, and hear more about a CSA. Now, I don't think I've really talked about this on the program, but I used to work after uni at a small CSA, or rather a box delivery scheme, where it was all about locally sourced food. And that was a social enterprise called Ubi, out of our own backyards. It was a wonderful place to be, especially for a young idealistic person. Having just finished university, I got to go pick up produce very early in the morning, help out on the packing line, and then go deliver boxes around Tamaki Makoto. And it was a great way to really get to know the city, meet a lot of lovely people, and get paid in food. Um, I did also get paid a little bit of money to cover the maintenance of my van and the miles I was doing, but the food I ate out of that box every week was special. I got to meet the people who grew it. I knew where it came from. And what you're going to hear in this episode is Andrew's love and reverence for knowing where your food comes from as well. And the couple he speaks to who runs this amazing CSA in the Wairarapa sounds amazing. And at the moment, I know a lot of us have our minds on cost of living, cost of fuel, cost of food. And now's a really good time to check out any local CSAs in your area, see who the farmers are, where they're growing food, and how you can support them directly. And honestly, uh, build your own resilience a bit by having a direct line to food that's grown in your area. It's never a bad idea. All right, this is a lovely episode. Thank you so much to Andrew Duncan. Uh, please do check out the rest of his show as well, The Good You Can Do. It's wonderful. Andrew puts a lot of time and work into it, and it sounds lovely. Um, look out for a special appearance from his adorable, adorable kids. Thank you, Andrew. Over to you. Welcome to The Good You Can Do podcast, where we share tips and strategies to help you reduce waste, live a healthier life, and protect the planet for future generations. My name is Andrew Duncan, and you can find out more about this project at our website, goodyoucando.com.
So I recently had the pleasure of visiting the Wairarapa Eco Farm. Located just outside of Featherston in South Wairarapa, about an hour's drive from where I live in Wellington. Uh, and in this beautiful seven hectare property, the owners, Frank and Yosha and their family, have created an absolute paradise, uh, an absolute organic heaven on earth. Uh, it was a real privilege for me to visit. And uh, I wanted to go there because from this property, they run a CSA project, a community supported agriculture project. And I'm super passionate about this concept being the future of food in this in this country and in our world. And, and hopefully in this episode, you'll uh, get a feeling of why I'm so excited about it. And I'll explain a little bit more about how it works. But I came across these guys because I'm a, I'm a customer. I very uh, happily receive a beautiful box of fruit and veg from these guys every week. And it's always amazing. It's always super fresh. Uh, so I wanted to go and say hi um, and see where this food comes from, make a connection to uh, these beautiful people who, who grow this food for us and see what makes it all work. So here is Yosha talking about the concept of a CSA. So the CSA, so it stands for Community Supported Agriculture, and it's really bringing back that connection between the consumer and the producer. And so with the whole CSA idea... Our idea is to educate people, really. It's an educational program, mainly. Mm -hmm. More than a food-growing program. To educate people to eat seasonal, to enjoy seasonal things that the year... Because it, it, it gives so much... I mean, we see these days so much people who are depressed and you know, one day is just the same, the same, the same. Yeah. Uh, and so enjoying those seasons again and the changes in... In nature. I was introduced to the concept of a CSA when I met the team at KaiCycle in Wellington and then took the Earthworkers course, which is run by the For the Love of Bees Charitable Trust. And I am firmly of the opinion that CSA projects really are the future of food production. Imagine a decentralized network of small scale urban farms in every neighborhood providing weekly vegetable boxes to their local community. Growing food this way creates a zero-waste farming system that produces healthy, organically grown produce in a climate-positive framework. It's because the farmers only need to pick and harvest what they need to fill the boxes that they've pre-sold each week. There's no scrupulous um, supermarket deciding that they only want straight, perfect carrots. Uh, there's no picking or harvesting, you know, 400 cabbages and then driving to the market and finding that you only sell 300 and you have to feed the rest of them to the pigs back on the farm. It's a system which is super efficient and is a massive way to support local farmers because it gives them a reliable income and a steady, solid market that's not driven by what a supermarket says will or won't sell. It's climate change mitigation local job creation, community food security, and improved health outcomes all rolled into one. And above all that, it's actually just plain fun opening your box each week, not knowing exactly what you're going to get. Okay, so we're here opening up our box, which we've just brought home, our CSA box. And it comes in a big cardboard box. We've got a cardboard bag of... Tomatoes! Oh, and it's a beautiful random mix of different types of 
tomatoes. We've got some sorrel, I think that is. Um, lots of kale. Some of it does come in these the cornstarch bag, uh, and you can return them with the box that the CSA comes in. So they'll take that back and reuse them, which is really cool. <laughs> got that one, buddy. A couple of massive organic broccoli, yeah, which is the kids' favourite. Charlie, Charlie's gonna like those, isn't she? And all you know the beans. Ah, oh, close. Those are spring onions. And all the produce looks super fresh. It looks like it was picked, you know, yesterday, which it, to be honest, it probably was. Yeah. Um, it's like a couple of cabbages. Some, and these yeah. are grapes grown locally. Uh, they've got a really, they've got a really cool taste, which is. Quite different to the, you know, California ones you get in the supermarket, but still super nice. Yeah, some lovely bananas. A quick bunch of right. bananas. Do you know what this is? No. We've got some sticks of rhubarb. So we can make, you know how you like crumble? Like yeah. apple crumble? We can make a nice crumble out of this one. That'd be cool, eh, buddy? Do you know what that is? It's a cucumber. Not quite. Close. Very close. It's a big... Close it! Yeah. Well done. And we've also got pears and oranges that, and... That Ooh, one's close. the cucumber. That the Tricky, cucumber. isn't it? A um, couple of really cute little pumpkins. Uh, we've got a carton of eggs, some onions. So lots of fruit, a wide variety of veg, which all looks beautifully fresh. And it's quite fun opening it up and kind of starting to think about what you might be able to cook with, what you're going to eat that night. And then it's really cool experimenting, seeing what you can come up with later in the week as you work through the, the various ingredients. The things that you might not have always bought at the store too, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's right. It, it encourages you to try new things, which is a, a really fun part of it. Anything in there you want to eat, buddy? Definitely the grapes. Cool. Good boy. Frank and Yosha moved here from Holland in 1992 after working together on humanitarian aid projects around the world. They settled on the Wairarapa and set about turning a seven-hectare piece of pastoral desert into their heaven on earth. The idea was to create a Mediterranean lifestyle, kind of. We thought when we came to New Zealand, yeah, that, that the climate here was more Mediterranean, warm, sunny, kind of those things. And is that what you found um, when you got here? No, we decided, we, we, we learned that you have to create paradise or whatever you want yourself. Yeah. So um, we chose the Wairarapa to settle because we like Wellington and we kind of like the climate like hot summers bit colder weather still have the uh, the seasons what were some of the first things you did when you uh, first to, thing to we start did, creating that paradise uh, first thing we did is um, cultivate the soil and put clover and I was say what did um, you plant right so clover clover a mix of clover and lucerne so lucerne goes deep into the ground so they get the microbiology going into the soil. That had before it was. So these are all used to be all runoff blocks. So this sounds like a legume, would you? Call yeah, it? yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah, it's a it's a, fig, a nitrogen fixer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so that that root activity and that fast growing yeah. nature and that nitrogen fixing nature were just it's a really yeah. fast way to yeah. build up the yeah and instead of like other person would have bought it and put chemical fertilizers on and, and so that was our way to start. Cool. Um, Frank and Yosha didn't originally start out planning to run a CSA project. The property was originally going to be an olive grove, 
Uh, and they admit to making numerous mistakes along their journey. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. You make mistakes every day. They're not mistakes. They're just experiences. Learning, learning opportunities. Yeah, learning opportunities. And yeah. every day should be a learning opportunity. So you should make mistakes every day. Else there is no perfect mistake-free business. And especially yeah. not when you do so many different things as this. I but mean, sometimes um, I think kind of um, this is really fun what we do. Um, but it's yeah, I would, there would be so many other uh, easier ways of making money. I, I I wouldn't know what to do else. But it's feeding a lot of people very beautiful, beautiful food and making a lot of people healthier. And yeah, it's it's very rewarding. Doing a lot um, of good. We also talked about where the CSA concept comes from. We saw that in Holland. We right. uh, there was a, a nice cooperative in Holland called Odin. Yeah. And it's based on biodynamic principles and it's grown really big. And uh, so that's a uh, cooperative of growers yeah. with a wholesaler and every year, and it has been growing and growing over the last 30 years. It started small in the 70s. And so they actually every year have meetings and, and talk to the growers, kind of what can you grow, kind of we think we can sell this, this and this this year. Okay. And so to make up a whole plan with everyone and then also so that you can take into account like crop rotations so that one grower doesn't grow like broccoli every yeah. year and yeah. stuff like that. And um, so they were selling these five different boxes like a small fruit, a large fruit, small veggie, large veggie and then a mixed one. And we kind of copied that, that topic because we didn't want to we were yeah we we like growing veggies but we don't want to be like just a broccoli or a carrot grower either and, and for the soil that's kind of uh, you need diversity just like as a person you need diversity with food you don't want to eat the same thing all the time for the sake of people who haven't had listening who haven't had much exposure to that like do you think that would lead to healthier oh, produce and... yeah yeah soil health and human health are one and the same like just that we know learn more and more about microorganisms and your gut these days this is your uh, second brain your gut and, yes. and all the yeah that, that in a tablespoon of uh, of soil there's so many microorganisms and microorganisms in your body and that's really that diversity is is what's keeping you healthy is what giving you nat natural immunity walking the farm and meeting Yosha's family who all work together in varying aspects of this project it's easy to see they are connected to something that most of us miss out on in our own daily lives. They are co-creating with nature every single day, surrounded by it, adapting their farm and working with the environment, but still learning and developing ideas all the time and testing new things. So we have plants. So we've got some Pinus pinea over there, the smaller pine trees there yes so they're gonna stay but uh, we're uh, in the right. process of taking that middle line away and then because they have been pine trees and they are acid so they're kind of they've been there for 25 years so yeah. there's a perfect spot to for example put blueberries ah right so that's where our blueberries so, yeah, yeah. Right. so that's where our blueberry patch will go cool uh, How did you choose where to set up the veggie beds? Um, so this was only, so we came here like only three years ago setting up these gardens. So they're quite new. Yeah. 
and um, as you can see, so we've got the greenhouse there where we were earlier today. Yeah. And there's another big greenhouse that we bought of Trade Me. Once we decided we were going to be here, I found this other greenhouse on Trade Me, which we bought and brought here. Yeah. And so we wanted to have them out of the wind. So this is where our old, so we kind of use that permaculture ideas of kind of having things in the middle instead of having the house and everything here. Okay. We also talked about some of their dreams for the future, like creating uh, safe spaces for people to come and visit who might benefit from reconnecting with nature. So we want to have a, a nursery here yeah. and then uh, some stables yeah. so where we can have the horses. Like in Holland, what's really popular is, or popular, um, quite a thing is like, uh, like relationships with animals, kind of. Um, and I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see more and more people with trauma and um, depression mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. especially young people. And chronic isolation, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, so opening up the farm for people to relax and get grounded again mm -hmm. uh, to do that with plants and animals. Perfect. The team at Wadarapa Eco Farm also provide guidance to other farmers interested in growing food this way. They aren't trying to be the world's biggest CSA project. They want to help others succeed. They have an abundance mindset. Not so much, we don't want to, Frank doesn't like the word consulting, but more guiding. Cool. And just helping. Nice and just word. kind of people who are starting up. Uh, like more like a sound, how do you call it? A soundboard? Or yes, yes. So like, oh... And so, how would you do this, or how did you do that, or um, what? Yeah, just from our experience and the troubleshooting, right? Yeah, a bit of more troubleshooting and guiding people when they cool. run into issues and feel they need some help, and maybe organizing some groups. Yes, so the that, groups like, are the key month, for that sort of thing, right? Once and having a, month, a support maybe network. We get together, like once here, one on another farm, and then have a little bit of a tour around. Yep. And then kind of seeing what the objectives are and then yeah. what the issues are. Maybe dig a hole and seeing what the soil issues are. Yes. Looking at soil tests or, yeah. Yep. And being able to like uh, work out what's going on from that soil test, right? And yeah, everything's yeah. so correlated and everything works yeah. off each other. And and to learn to not see each other as competitors, but as, uh, yeah, co-creators. Yes. Co-creators so, yeah, is such a nice thing. We won't food, kind of. Yeah, and that, that would be the hope, right, that as more people learn about the CSA model and embrace that you're going to need more CSAs like you know you, you can have one every couple of kilometers yeah, yeah, in, we in don't a perfect world. Be like the one big CSA we just want to stay small yeah um, yeah that that decentralization is is of the food system is um, was quite an awakening for me to see that idea you know there's so much in our modern world that moves towards centralizing systems yeah, but yeah. with food it really should be yeah. the opposite right yeah, although we, we, we all like a pineapple or something that doesn't grow in your area. Yeah. The team also offer internships for anyone looking to learn more about this kind of approach to living. And that's really what we're talking about here, a way to live life in harmony with nature. It's about so much more than fruit and vegetables. It's about living life in a way that connects us to our planet and to each other. So head along to their website. It's wadarapa.ecofarm.com. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. 
And I'd really encourage you to learn more about what they do. You can support them by joining their CSA, which is uh, which has a bit of a waiting list. So you might have to wait a while to get on, but do jump on. We've been on their waiting list and, and it didn't take long to become a, uh, a member, which we're so happy to be part of. Um, if you live in a different part of the world, see if there's a CSA project in your area. It's a fantastic way to get super healthy, organic, chemical-free fruit and vegetables into your life. You'll be supporting a local farmer. You'll have a connection to where your food comes from. And you're also supporting a, a way of growing food that that promotes communities, uh, that increases food resilience, uh, that's better for our soil, it's better for the animals, better for everybody from what I can see. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode, a little bit of an intro to the Wairarapa Eco Farm and the idea of a CSA in general. I really do think this is the future of food. The Climactic Collective.